0: In fact, um, what, has, what we see today in China is as much the credit of the Chinese people mm-hmm. as it is the proof positive of the importance of socialism for poor countries. Mm-hmm. Um, that, as you say, a poor country cannot advance through imperialism. It's, it can only
1: advance through socialism. There, there is no other choice. And by the way, I return to your idea of the Asianism. Uh, you know, you must know very well, in the 1980s, early 1990s, this discussion of Asian values, especially advocated by Singaporean leader Lee Kuan Yew and Malaysian leader Uh, uh What do you think of that kind of discussion? Well, this... Uh, you know, Mahathir today still thinks Asian values are important, very important, better than Western values. Will that be a, a kind of... Uh, Good grounding for your idea of Asianism.
0: As I said earlier,
1: that I, I believe
0: that the platform of humanity is more important than territory. And the concept of Asian values somehow reduces us to a, making a territorial claim, you know, that something about Asia is going to blah, blah, blah. And I, I think that's actually cutting your feet when you need to walk firmly. Uh, and we shouldn't cut our feet. We should walk on both legs. So I don't accept it for political reasons. But as I said, that's a wicked kind of argument. But I do feel that sometimes the discussion on Asian values is very selective in what is chosen to be placed in these Asian values. After all, even in Asia, we have some pretty terrible values. Um, speaking from the standpoint of India, we have the caste system. Which is a terrible value, um, you know. Le- why should we discard that from our discussion of Asian values? Uh, look at the history of China. You can't say Chinese values are all great. You had some horrible things, which the Chinese Revolution overcame. You know, right. foot binding for women, uh, patriarchy. Uh, you know, the patriarchal attitude towards women in China. It has a long history, but you overcame that through the Revolution, uh, through communist revolution, which said that, you know, women hold up half the sky and therefore we don't need to bind their feet. Um, you know, all of that is uh, about the fact that values are not good or bad. Values are historical. Um, mm-hmm. We struggle to make values good. We struggle to be human. You know, one of the reasons I was very impressed by the histories of the Chinese revolution um, was that the Chinese revolution eradicated some appalling values mm-hmm. from the history of china landlordism a monarchism um, foot you know uh, patriarchy, and so on mm-hmm. when I first visited China with my mother as a young boy, I was so amazed by the chinese countryside mm-hmm. uh, the lack of landlords you know it 's Look, I've read the Ding Ling stories and I've read, you know, stories about the wretchedness of Chinese landlordism. Ding Ling's stories are very similar to the stories of Prem Chant. Um They are contemporary writers, both, you know, Marxist writers about the countryside. Both depict the landlordism and how horrible that was for people. Yeah. But the Chinese experience of the revolutionary experience overcame that. So that's why I'm not keen. You know, I think that Mathir and others, they are making a political point when they talk about Asian values, but it's not actually a factual argument because even Singapore, when I first went to Singapore, um, I remember arriving in the airport with very long hair. I went to write a story for my newspaper and I was made to take a haircut in the airport. Um, because they said you can't enter Singapore with such long hair. You know, I, I looked like Gaddafi. You know, I had really long hair and they gave me a free haircut in the airport. That means that they enforced a kind of values. No chewing gum, no spitting, no long hair. Those values were not natural. They had to be enforced. So even Lee Kuan Yew, when he talked about Asian values, he was talking about a historical process In that sense, why not talk about human values if we're going to talk about
1: a historical
0: process? Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Indeed, you know, uh, I remember when I was in India, in Kerala, uh, over four decades ago, at the invitation of the Communist Party of India, Marxist, uh, we discussed this uh, Chinese revolution, Long March and Chairman Mao, I remember uh, with this, this idea and uh, China went through this enormous land reform. So Chinese farmers now have land. That's very different. Virtually in any developing country, your farmers don't have land. They cannot have uh, become better off. Uh, simple as like that. And also another uh, idea from Chairman Mao, as you mentioned, the women hold half of the sky, women liberation. Yeah, it's much more significant and really beneficial to women than feminist movement in the West. And I think that that really uh, sometimes uh, we say, you know, uh, India somehow did not have its own Chairman Mao. That made all the difference between China's modernization and India's slightly lacking behind. Maybe that's one reason, you know, we went through this uh, social revolutions, land reform, and women's liberation. And that that's already now part of China's modern life. Yeah. So when we talk about these Chinese values, Asian values, uh, we think of these uh, what we call already modern values. Yeah. And then we can discuss them together with other countries, with other peoples. Yeah. And one of
0: the great lessons i think that we absorb from the chinese experience um, is well you know you have to do two things at the same time you have to clap with more than two hands you have to build the productive forces you have to build the social wealth and you have to socialize it at the same time this is very difficult i think people don't seem to understand you know when people compare china to the united States. Mm -hmm. It's not a good comparison Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the United States, after all, built its wealth on slavery. It's built its wealth on the genocide of Native American people. It built its wealth on imperialism in South America and the Philippines and so on. The Chinese experience has been different. There was no slavery in the modern period. Um, There was no uh, imperialist conquest of foreign territories. Um, And there was no genocide of native peoples, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember when uh, Xi Jinping took office, uh, one of the things that was talked about was emphasizing the minority question, and that's the eradication of absolute poverty. Um, I think this special experience of building socialism in a poor country uh, Mm -hmm. needs to be recognized. And it's absolutely Mm -hmm. true. As you say, an end to landlordism, a real dent, to patriarchy can't say it's ended but it's it's been dented for sure an Mm -hmm. end to the idea of social hierarchy that certain people are better or at least a dent to that and then building socialism in a poor country i mean these are immense lessons and i just Mm -hmm. you know hope that we can oxygenate these lessons teach young people about them so that they don't have an erroneous idea of you know United States and China as if these are mm-hmm. equivalent countries. Mm-hmm. they are very different very different histories, and those histories actually show in the mm-hmm. attitude of these countries um, yeah. in their international relations mm-hmm.
1: uh, indeed you know uh, like you I have traveled a lot i've been to over seventy developing countries, and uh, from my observation, field observations. And China has more or less found a way. We call the socialism with Chinese characteristics. I call it the Chinese model. Uh, and then this whole range of experience for how to deal with the West, how to deal with the globalization, how to deal with the Western investment in China, foreign capital, and how to achieve uh, what kind of equality we are doing and we have conducting all kinds of experiments, some very successful, some less successful, but on the whole, the Chinese experience is, is successful on the whole. Yeah. But I would say that I agree with you
0: that it's uh incredible advance of, of, of the Chinese, um, people. Um, and here comes the main, uh, issue is that yeah. without, um, the clarity of the socialist project mm-hmm. it may not have been thus uh, mm-hmm. that in fact um, what has what we see today in china is as much the credit of the chinese people mm-hmm. as it is the proof positive of the importance of socialism for poor countries mm-hmm. um that as you say a poor country cannot advance through imperialism it's it can only advance through socialism there, there is no other choice you know and you can try your best to, um, adopt a capitalist uh, structure and so on, but there simply is not going to be the kind of investment necessary to diversify your economy. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this glaringly mm-hmm. in South America. Mm-hmm. And this is why I feel like so mm-hmm. much of the next period is going to be focused on South America. Um, Argentina, for instance, um, is being eaten alive by the International Monetary Fund. Um, Argentina came to China, joined the Belt and Road Initiative, came to the People's Bank of China, got a currency swap, and yet decided, under pressure from Washington, to go for a new IMF loan. The Argentinians (laughs) are going to find that their economy is simply not going to advance. On the other hand, if they integrated more fundamentally um, with BRI, and if they use that, um, those currency swaps, those renminbi-peso swaps, I think different options would have been open to them. And, and I think the answer is going to be that the socialist option put yeah. forward by China and other countries is far more rational um, yeah. than the kind of false capitalist integration that really hasn't allowed these
1: countries to advance. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> Thank you.